listening to Raising HSE, a podcast designed for parents with students in Hamilton Southeastern schools. Each episode, you'll hear from different staff and teachers, and they'll share with you helpful tips, information that your student can use, and a few parenting hacks, because together we're Raising HSE. everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Brooke Lawson, the Mental Health and School Counseling Coordinator, and I'm fortunate enough to be hosting a multi-part series with Allison Edwards. If you missed our first episode with Allison, just as a refresher, she's a child psychotherapist, best-selling author, and national touring speaker. Allison, thanks again for joining us today. We're going to talk a little bit today about building emotional muscles in children. And I wondered maybe if we could first talk a little bit about the emotional tank and um, kind of give that explanation for our listeners about kids' emotional tanks and then how we can really help build those muscles in our kids. So the emotional tank, as I describe it to kids, is something that we have inside of all of us. And I draw it on a whiteboard and I show kids that we have different things that happen during our day that fill our tank. And some of us wake up in the morning and myself included with a full tank. So I wake up and I am ready to go. I have, I don't need time to wake up. I don't need time to sort out my day. I just wake up with a full tank. And so my job is to drain my tank before I get to work. And so I do that through exercise because I know that if I don't, I get to work. And even before I see my kids, I try to exercise so that I can be at a more stable place. A lot of kids, especially anxious kids or kids with any sort of emotional um, regulation issues, will wake up with a full tank. And so I just explain it as, you know, how do you feel in the moment? How full are you? And the reason we do this is to help kids understand themselves. And so a lot of kids will wake up in the morning and they will have an empty tank. And so they will go through their school day and throughout the day, things will fill your tank when you're at school. It's just, that's just what happens. There's different things that occur with other kids and with academics. And then they have, when they come home, oftentimes when you pick your kids up from school, you will see sort of the over the drainage of the tank, right? Sometimes there's an explosion. And so the tank is full and they come home and they, you know, let it out on you. But when you teach kids this, they start to understand that there are ways to drain their tank. And for them to learn how to drain it is very important in childhood. These are skills that can go with them forever. They can learn early on what they need. A lot of kids that I work with, when we talk about the tank, they will say to me, my tank is full in the morning and we will just help them figure out how to drain it. And a lot of kids will say, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to take my dog for a walk. I'm going to get up a little bit early. I'm going to listen to some soft music. And so I like to teach them early, you know, how do you, where's your tank and how do you drain it? And also just to normalize that we all have emotional tanks and that it's very normal to feel overwhelmed and it's very normal to feel like you just, you know, can't take anything else. And I think we all experience that. It's, it's the last thing that happens that we blow up about, but there are so many things that happen before that. And if we will just learn to drain it, we usually won't end up with the explosion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more. And, and I think that 
part of reading our emotions plays into this bigger conversation of learning to regulate emotions and teaching our kids as parents how to do that. Um, could you share maybe a little bit um, about how you might suggest parents teach their kids to regulate emotions? So there are four steps to regulating emotions, and this is not just for kids, this is for everyone, and I think it's so valuable to learn these. Um, I'm always reminded myself of, of how to regulate <laughs> big emotions, right? How do yeah. we how do we manage life? But the first step is to identify the feeling, and that is um, the most important thing, and it's really surprising how many kids and adults cannot tell you how they feel. And I think this is something that we don't take time for that we should. It's just a check-in, like, how am I feeling right now? And I like to do this with kids before bed. Um, and every evening before bed, I use feeling cards for this and have them pick three cards that, uh, that describe how they felt during the day. And then after they pick the three, you would pick as a parent three cards and you would say how you felt. And this is so important to model with kids that you also have uncomfortable feelings. And so you could say, you know, especially if your child has anxiety, you would pick worried every night so that children know, oh, you know, my parent gets worried too. And this is, this is not just me. And then, um, so you identify the feelings. And then the second thing is you identify how big it is. And this is the number line that you talked about so important to know how big that feeling is. And when a child says, I'm angry, and you say, what number? So if you think about a number line from one to 10, 10 is the biggest, it's the most angry you've ever been, and one is the lowest, you will get a lot of information about your child's anger. So if they say, I'm, I was angry today, and you'd say, how big was your anger? Oh, it was a five. It's like, okay, wow, that was, you know, pretty angry. They said I was a 10. That's really angry. Mm -hmm. And so when we talked about earlier in the last um, episode about the flood zone and sort of when the brain, um, uh, when the amygdala is triggered. So from a one to an eight, a child can do a strategy, like a coping strategy. For example, I'm really angry and I can do square breathing, which is a, a coping strategy. From an eight to a 10, that is flooded. And that child, the child needs to then reset. And so you teach kids this. When you're one to an eight, any feelings of one to an eight, you do a strategy from an eight to a 10, you reset your brain by changing the senses. And so there are five senses. And what you do with kids, and you teach them this, that when you're flooded, you need to change what you see, you need to change what you hear, and so on. And so a kid, instead of trying to you know, if, if your sister is taking your toy and you're a 10 with anger, the best thing for you to do is leave and go outside for a minute <clears throat> because then you can reset your brain and come back. And you know this from kids, you take them to a different environment and they seem better. Mm -hmm. And so you teach kids this. And this is their journey. Mental health is their journey. And we all have an emotional journey that we must go down. And so instead of fixing the problem, you want to help kids learn how to manage these feelings. So again, step one is identifying the feeling. Step two is rate the intensity. How big is it? Can I ask one quick yeah. question? Or actually, not really a question, but maybe just more of a <clears throat> statement and the importance. You talked about um, uncomfortable emotions, and I think that that is just so important. I think that, and, and I think I was even guilty 
I think this is the way I kind of looked at emotions. There are good emotions Mm -hmm. and then there are these bad emotions that I just want to avoid all the time and feeling. And, um, as I started out as a new therapist, I started to try to think about that differently, right? Of there's comfortable emotions and then there's uncomfortable emotions and how that is so important for us to teach our kids, right? Cause they can't avoid uncomfortable emotions. We all have them, right? But how do we identify we're feeling them number one, name them, and then think about that intensity. I think that's just so important and such a good life skill for us to teach our kids. Managing emotions, especially discomfort. So if you think about uncomfortable feelings, that is actually one of the most important skills we will have as as people. Mm -hmm. And I think if we normalize all emotions then we are able to see that emotions come and go. And that is the most, it's it's so powerful when you know that. Like if you're angry, it's okay to feel that because it will pass. Mm -hmm. But then you also feel that you'll feel happy and excited. And so, as you said, the uncomfortable ones we want to avoid. But by facing uncomfortable emotions, we build confidence. And so I call this like building emotional muscles. And Kids, when they when you look at kids, especially with self-esteem, and kids will say, I can't do it, it's too hard. The best thing you can do is help them get through that. So you help them do the hard thing, and then confidence is increased. The worst thing you can do is say, well, that's hard, I won't make you do it. Yeah. And what happens is then self-esteem plummets, and a kid feels like, I couldn't do it. So we want them to feel like they can do it. And so managing discomfort is such a life skill and knowing that we're going to have bad teachers we're going to have bad not bad friends we're going to have unkind friends we're going to have struggles we're going to miss basketball shots and goals and we're going to have you know those moments and it's getting through those and saying i got through it it wasn't easy that's really what we're looking for. It's not just having an easy time. Um, and the uncomfortable emotions, when you look at all of them, it's, it's just, it's colorful and that's what makes life interesting. And when you, you know, use feeling cards and kids can see all of, all of the feelings or when you talk about, there's so many feelings that are underneath the surface, especially the, I call them the subtle feelings like jealousy and embarrassment. Those are the feelings usually that, our behavior comes from that we can't even we don't even access those but those feelings of learning how to how do you deal with feeling jealous how do you deal with embarrass or disappointment is another one that's so hard for kids um but it's it's managing these and facing them and saying wow i felt that too mm-hmm. and here's a strategy i can do so again it's all the feelings and um i will say this that people get confused about You can change your thoughts, but you can't change your feelings. And a lot of times parents will say, I wish my child would choose happiness. Mm. And that is not a choice. That is not a choice. You can choose a happy thought, but happiness will come and it will go. And sadness will come and it will go. And that's what I think is if we accept all of the feelings, they don't have so much power over us. Mm -hmm. And so choosing a happy thought is a choice. Oh, you know, I'm, if I get through this day, I'm going to get an ice cream after school. That's a happy thought, but that doesn't mean that the whole day you're going to feel happy, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to go up and down and, um, you will see throughout the day, a a normal day for any of us. There's so many different feelings we experience and they come and go and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, being able to manage them is what, what's important. 
Yeah. I always think about that wave analogy. Like if we just teach our kids and, and all of us too as adults, we just ride the wave of the emotion instead of letting that wave carry us away, mm-hmm. that we will be so much stronger mm-hmm. in the end. So, okay. Sorry. So I got us off, ta- no, <laughs> off topic. I'm glad you clarified. <laughs> um, so identify the feeling, rate the intensity, and then identify the trigger. And so this is really important. What causes these uncomfortable feelings? And we all have different triggers. And sometimes it's academics for kids. You know, they're afraid of not doing well on a test. Some of it's social. What if someone doesn't like me? Some of it's being away from our parents. Like, what if you don't pick me up today? What if I miss you? So there's all of these things, but what's important is helping kids see what causes the feeling and then connect the dots. So most of us will have the same theme of triggers as we go through our lives. So for me, it's people. And I've always, I always worry about people. So opinions, relationships, someone's disappointed in something I've done. That has been throughout my life. And because I know that, I don't get as hung up on that. I know, oh, there I go again. For kids, they may, you may connect the dots and say, oh, you worried about your teacher last year being mean. Interesting. Oh, now you're worried about this. So you help them see that, wow, it's the same thing. And you got through it. So the triggers are really important. You identify the triggers. Key here, you're not trying to fix the triggers. You're not trying to make them go away. So you're not trying to get your kid out of the class with that kid that you know is just not a good influence on your child. You're not trying to get them away from the teacher that you know is not a good fit for your child. What you're doing is saying, oh, that is why you're having the feeling. You're just helping them identify. And the last uh, step is choose a strategy. And I really encourage you to teach your kids how to manage these feelings. And I encourage you to do this with them. So in my office, I when I give kids strategies, I tell them, go home and teach your parent. If you teach something, you know it. So they go home and teach their parent. One strategy is square breathing, where you learn to calm your mind and body. And my opinion is everyone should know square breathing. We all need it. And so they go home and they teach their parent. And then before bed, the parent and the child do square breathing together. And it's it's very, it's a, a moment of bonding. Hey, I've I need to square breathe too at the end of my day. And so a lot of these strategies, it's not you have these feelings, you need to do the strategy. It's more, let's do it together. Mm-hmm. Let's all, we all need this. And it just normalizes it. And kids are able to talk about it because they're not ashamed or embarrassed of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think um, sometimes we also can like, uh, as parents, and I'm guilty of this myself, like when I haven't realized that my kids at that like eight, nine, ten, right, they're flooded, I'll be like, you need to breathe. <laughs> And that is probably the worst <laughs> thing I can, I, I need to go breathe probably in those situations and, and, and step away. So, yeah, that, that is important. It's the times when they are eight to 10 are the times we most often tell them to choose a strategy and we will be unsuccessful. They will not do it because they can't. And mm-hmm. so in order to do a strategy, you must be able to think. Mm-hmm. clearly and to be able to think clearly the emotion must be within a one to an eight mm-hmm. and so that's just a very easy way to look at it yeah. so your child is throwing a fit and you think I'm going to tell them here's what they need to do the best thing you can do is walk away yeah, yeah. revisit when they're calm and mm-hmm. then it can be effective mm-hmm. yeah I'm wondering and um, maybe there's 
some of our listeners that are thinking like strategies, like I, you know, you mentioned square breathing. I love breathing. That's my most favorite uh, strategy as well. Cause I've got my breath with me all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some other strategies or maybe what might you recommend if I'm a parent and I'm like, I don't even know where to start with some of these strategies. What, where might they find strategies that they could kind of try out with their child when they're calm, right? We never want to do this, even when they're feeling, when they're between that one and eight, right? We should practice strategies before they even are feeling that maybe uncomfortable emotion, right? So that they can kind of figure out what they like. Mm -hmm. So where would they find strategies? So there are lots of strategies for kids. Um, You can, there are books with coping strategies. I made a set of feeling cards, um, that, um, has a strategy. There's 20 feeling cards. And on the mm-hmm. back, there's a strategy to manage each feeling, mm-hmm. um, that is very helpful. What you want is to find what works for your child. I, um, I think most kids will have one or two that works. And so I would encourage you not to try to have 10, 15 strategies yeah. that you're telling your child to uh-huh. use. Um, the most common are square breathing, which I just uh, mm-hmm. talked about. And the other one is change the channel. And I really like the strategy. Mm-hmm. And you teach kids that um, how I explain it is your brain is like a television and you have the remote control. And if you're on a channel that is negative or not helping you, you can change it. And the key here is that the thought you change it to has to be as intense as the thought you're trying to change. And so... This is why affirmations don't work terribly well. Mm-hmm. If you have a child who says, I don't want to go to school, and the affirmation is, I love school, well, <laughs> that's not going to work because yeah. they don't love school. But if the, the with change the channel, if it's, I don't want to go to school, and that's an eight, but, or let's say it's a six, and then you say, but after school, I get an ice cream, and that's a 10 of excitement. That works. And so it's helping your child know you can choose a thought, but it has to be intense. So these are the things where they change it to instead of the whole day, the whole morning, I don't want to go to school. You change it to what kind, what flavor of ice cream am I going to get after school? Mm -hmm. And that is actually a good match. And so those are just two um, strategies. But I I would say that find strategies that are kid-friendly and teach them when children are calm, not when they're in trouble or Mm -hmm. have... (laughs) had a really bad day because they will see it as punishment. This is not punishment. This is actually just a really supportive way to help them. Um, I always talk about how our brain's a muscle, right? And we really have to build those emotional muscles in our kids so that they can be successful to manage difficult situations. So Allison, I really, really appreciate your time today and and talking about the importance of building emotional muscles in our kids. And so this really concludes our second episode. Um, And make sure that you subscribe to Raising HSE so you don't miss our future episodes with Allison. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We have more great content planned for future podcasts. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss Raising HSE.